Hello and welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob and Trish is over there somewhere too. And uh, we're going to be reading the third and final chapter of uh, the Communist Manifesto today. I am working on getting our website post for that put up right now. And uh, then we'll be getting to it. I'm not sure what page it is in the PDF. Uh, in the paper book, we will be starting on page 29. Ooh, giggity. Got my coffee refilled just in time. <laughs> Essentials, man. Oh, let's see. What page did you say we left off on? Uh, it's 29 in the paper book. Uh, the chapter is called Socialist and Communist Literature. Okay. Well, apparently Drive is feeling a little overworked at the moment. It's still trying to load the PDF. There we go. Okay. Good old you said Drive. Socialist and socialist and communist literature yes ma'am uh for those who are following along in the pdf that's page 28 okay so it's it's pretty close now yeah had a lot of catching up to do with all those intros (laughs) it's like preface from this preface from that preface 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 13 pages later, still prefacing. (laughs) That PDF contains the preface for every edition that was ever published of that book. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot. Uh, Who do we got in the comments? We We got Natalie and Robert saying hi. What's up, guys? How's it going? All right, I guess let's get right down to it. Fucking A. All right, reactionary socialism. Mm -hmm. 
Part A, feudal socialism. Owing to their historical position, it became the vocation of the aristocracies of France and England to write pamphlets against modern bourgeois society. In the French Revolution of July 1830 and in the English reform agitation, these aristocracies again succumbed to the hateful upstart. Thenceforth, a serious political struggle was altogether out of the question. A literary battle alone remained possible, but even the, in the domain of literature, the old cries of the Restoration period had become impossible. So, in order to arouse sympathy, the aristocracy was obliged to lose sight, apparently, of its own interests and to formulate their indictment against the bourgeoisie in the interest of the exploited working class alone. Thus, the aristocracy took their revenge by singing lampoons on their new masters and whispering in his ears sinister prophecies of coming catastrophe. In this way arose feudal socialism. Half lamentation, half lampoon. Half an echo of the past, half menace of the future. At times by its bitter, witty, and incisive criticism, striking the bourgeoisie to the very heart's core but always ludicrous in its effect through total incapacity to comprehend the march of modern history. The aristocracy, in order to rally the people to them, waved the proletarian alms bag in front of a banner. But the people, so often as it joined them, saw in their hindquarters the old feudal coats of arms and deserted with loud and irreverent laughter. One section of the French legitimists in, quote, young England exhibited this spectacle in pointing out that their mode of exploitation was different to that of the bourgeoisie. The feudalists forget that they exploited under circumstances and conditions that were quite different and are now antiquated in showing that under their rule, the modern proletariat never existed. They forget that the modern bourgeoisie is the necessary offspring of their own form of society. For the rest, so little do they conceal the reactionary character of their criticism that their chief accusation against the bourgeois amounts to this, that under the bourgeois regime, a class is being developed, which is destined to cut up root and branch the old order of society. What they upbraid bourgeoisie with is not so much that it creates a proletariat as that it creates a revolutionary proletariat. In political practice, therefore, they join in all coercive measures against the working class. And in ordinary life, despite their highfalutin phrases, they stoop to pick up the golden apples dropped from the tree of industry and to barter truth, love, and honor for traffic in wool, beetroot sugar, and potato spirits. As the person has ever gone hand in hand with the landlord, so has clerical socialism with feudal socialism. Nothing is easier than to give Christian asceticism a social tinge. Has not Christianity declaimed against private property, against marriage, against the state? Has it not preached in the place of these? Charity and poverty, celibacy and mortification of the flesh, monastic life and mother church. Christian socialism is but the holy water with which the priest consecrates the heart burnings of the aristocrat. Wow. Yeah. Speaks fucking volumes there. 
Petty bourgeois I, I, socialism. Okay. Uh huh. I was just gonna say I love because uh, I didn't realize how far this phrase dated back, but I love that he used highfalutin. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, that one made me giggle as I was reading it. Would you like to read section B? Yeah, I, I was planning on it. <laughs> awesome sauce. <laughs> uh, the feudal aristocracy was not the only class that is ru- uh, that is ruined by the bourgeoisie. Not the only class whose conditions of existence pined and perished in the atmosphere of modern bourgeois society. The medieval burgesses and the small peasant proprietors were the precursors of the modern bourgeoisie. In those countries, which are but little developed, industrial and commercially, these two classes still vegetate side by side with the rising bourgeoisie. In countries where modern civilization has become fully developed, a new class of petty bourgeois has been formed. Uh, Fluctuating between proletariat and bourgeoisie, society oh and ever renewing itself sorry as a supplementary part of bourgeois society the individual members of this class however being constantly hurled down into the proletariat by the action of competition and as modern industry develops they can even see the moment approaching when they will completely disappear as an independent section of modern society to be replaced in manufacturers, uh, agriculture, and commerce by overlookers, bailiffs, and shopmen. In countries like France, where the peasants constitute far more than half of their population, it was natural that writers who sided with the proletariat against the bourgeoisie should use, in their criticism of the bourgeois regime, um, the standard of the peasant and petty bourgeois. And from the standpoint of these intermediate classes, should take up cudgels for the working class. Thus arose petty bourgeois socialism. Sismondi was the head of this school, not only in France, but also in England. This school of uh, socialism dissected with great acuteness the contradictions in the conditions of modern production. It laid bare the hypocritical apologies of economists. It proved incontrovertibly the disastrous effects of machinery and division of labor the concentration of capital and land in a few hands. Overproduction and crises, it pointed out the inevitable ruin of the petty bourgeois and peasant, the misery of the proletariat, the anarchy in production, the crying inequalities in the distribution of wealth, the industrial war of extermination between nations, the dissolution of old moral bonds, of the family relations, of the old nationalities. In its positive aims, however, this form of socialism aspires either to restoring the old means of production and of exchange, and with them the old property relations, and the old society, or to cramping the modern means of production and of exchange within the framework of the old property relations that have been and were bound to be exploded by those means. In either case, it is both reactionary and utopian. Its last words are corporate guilds for manufacture, patriarchal relations, and agriculture. Ultimately, when stubborn historical facts had dispersed all intoxicating effects of self-deception, this form of socialism ended in a miserable fit of the blues. Um, Before you take back over for the next section, I just wanted to like point out how much I, I enjoy the writing style. Same. 
same. It reads so eloquently. I love it. Um, part C, German or true socialism. The socialist and communist literature of France, a literature that originated under the pressure of a bourgeoisie of power or in power, and that was the expression to the struggle against this power was introduced into Germany at a time when the bourgeoisie in that country had just begun its contest with feudal absolutism. German philosophers, would-be philosophers, and Boasbrief, men of letters, eagerly seized on this literature, only forgetting that when these things immigrated from France into Germany, French social conditions had not immigrated along with them. In contact with German social conditions, this French literature lost all its immediate practical significance and assumed a purely literary aspect. Thus, to the German philosophers of the 18th century, the demands of the first French Revolution were nothing more than the demands of practical reason in general, and the utterance of the will of the revolutionary French bourgeoisie signified, in their eyes, the laws of pure will, of will as it was bound to be, of true human will generally. The work of the German literati consisted solely in bringing the new French ideas into harmony with their ancient philosophical conscience, or rather in annexing the French ideas without deserting their own philosophic point of view. This annexation took place in the same way in which a foreign language is appropriated, namely by translation. It is well known how the monks wrote silly lives of Catholic saints over the manuscripts on which the classical works of ancient heathendom had been written. The German literati reversed this process with the profane French literature. They wrote their philosophical nonsense beneath the French original. For instance, beneath the French criticism of the economic functions of money, they wrote alienation of humanity. And beneath the French criticism of the bourgeois state, they wrote dethronement of the category of the general and so forth. The introduction of these philosophical phrases at the back of the French historical criticisms, they dubbed philosophy of action, true socialism, German science of socialism, philosophical foundation of socialism, and so on. The French socialist and communist literature was thus completely emasculated. And since it ceased in the hands of the German to express the struggle of one class with the other, he felt conscious of having overcome French one-sidedness and of representing not true requirements, but the requirements of truth, not the interests of the proletariat, but the interests of human nature, of man in general, who belongs to no class, has no reality, who exists only in the misty realm of philosophical fantasy. This German socialism, which took its schoolboy task so seriously and solemnly and extolled its poor stock in trade in such a mountbank fashion, meanwhile gradually lost its pedantic innocence. The fight of the Germans, and especially of the Prussian bourgeoisie against feudal aristocracy and absolute monarchy, in other words, the liberal movement, became more earnest. By this, the long-wished-for opportunity was offered to true socialism of confronting the political movement with the socialist demands, of hurling the traditional anathemas against liberalism, 
against representative government, against bourgeois competition, bourgeois freedom of the press, bourgeois legislation, bourgeois liberty and equality, and a preaching to the masses that they had nothing to gain and everything to lose by this bourgeois movement. German socialism forgot in the nick of time that the French criticism, whose silly echo it was, presupposed to the existence of modern bourgeois society with its corresponding economic conditions of existence and the political constitution adapt thereto. The very things, those attainment, was the object of the pending struggle in Germany to the absolute governments with their following of parsons, professors, country squires, and officials. It served as a welcome scarecrow against the threatening bourgeoisie. And it, it was a sweet finish after the bitter pills of flogging and bullets with which these same governments just at that time dosed the German working class risings. While this quote, true socialism thus served the government as a weapon for fighting the German bourgeoisie, it at the same time directly represented a reactionary interest in the interest of German Philistines. In Germany, the petty bourgeois class, a relic of the 16th century, and since then constantly cropping up again under the various forms, is the real social basis of the existing state of things. To preserve this class is to preserve the existing state of things in Germany. The industrial and political supremacy of the bourgeoisie threatens it with a certain destruction. On the one hand, from the concentration of capital, on the other, from the rise of a revolutionary proletariat. Quote, true socialism appeared to kill these two birds with one stone. It spread like an epidemic. The robe of speculative cobwebs embroidered with flowers of rhetoric steeped in the dew of sickly sentiment, this transcendental robe in which the German socialists wrapped their sorry, quote, eternal truths, all skin and bone, served to wonderfully increase the sale of their goods amongst such a public. And on its part, German socialism recognized more and more its own calling as the bombastic representative of the petty bourgeois Philistine. It proclaimed that German, it proclaimed the German nation to be the model nation and the German petty Philistine to be the typical man. To every villainous meanness of this model man, it gave hidden higher socialistic interpretation to the exact contrary of its real character. It went to the extreme length of directly opposing the, quote, brutally destructive tendency of communism and proclaiming its supreme and impartial contempt of all class struggles. With very few exceptions, the, all the so-called socialist and communist publications that now, in 1847, he's saying, uh, circulate in Germany belong to the domain of this foul and enervating literature. Can you imagine what he would say so, about today's capitalist publications? Right? Oh my God, he would vomit. He would vomit upon opening his eyes and reading. Uh, um. When he's this 
and trying to co-opt the name socialism. You're cutting out really bad. Into... God damn it. <sighs> I don't know what to do about that, but um, just the, the disgust that he's showing for the fact that the bourgeoisie and the petty bourgeoisie tried to co-opt the word socialism and twist it into... Um, you know, representing the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. Robert said Marx would freak out at our media. And I said, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so part two is conservative or bourgeois socialism. A part of the bourgeoisie is desir desirous. I, I, I yes. don't. Desirous. Yep. Okay of redressing social grievances in order to secure the continued existence of bourgeois society. To this section uh, belong economists, philanthropists, humanitarians, improver of the conditions of the working class, organizers of charity, members of societies for the prevention of cruelty to animals, uh, temperance fanatics, hole and corner reformers of every imaginable kind. This form of socialism has, moreover, been worked out into complete systems. We may cite Proudhon's philosophy, De la Misere, as an example of, uh, of this form. The socialistic bourgeois want all advantages of modern social conditions without the struggles and dangers necessarily resulting therefrom. They desire the existing state of society minus its revolutionary and disintegrating elements. <clears throat> They wish for a bourgeoisie without a proletariat. The bourgeoisie mm -hmm. naturally conceives the world in which it is supreme to be the best. And bourgeois socialism develops this comfortable conception, or yeah, comfortable conception into various more or less complete systems. In requiring the proletariat to carry out such a system and thereby to march straight away into the social new Jerusalem, it but requires in reality that the proletariat should remain within the bounds of existing society, but should cast away all its hateful ideas concerning the bourgeoisie. The second mm -hmm. and more practical but less systematic form of this socialism sought to depreciate every uh, revolutionary movement in the eyes of the working class by showing that no mere political reform, but only a change in the material conditions of existence and economic relations could be of any advantage to them. By changes in the material conditions of existence, this, uh, this form of socialism, however, by no means understands abolition of the bourgeois related uh, relations of production and abolition that can be affected only by a, a revolution, but administrative reforms based on the continued existence of those relations. Reforms, therefore, that in no respect affect the, the relations between capital and labor, but at best lessen the cost and simplify the administrative work of bourgeois government. Bourgeois socialism attains adequate expression when and only when it becomes a mere figure of speech. Free trade for the benefit of the working class, protective duties for the benefit of the working class, prison reform, for the benefit of the working class. This is the last word and the only seriously meant word of bourgeois socialism. It is summed up in the phrase, 
The bourgeois is a bourgeois for the benefit of the working class. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I'll start this one off. Yeah, he, uh, this, this, is, any this is a, a longer chapter, so we can trade off like every two paragraphs or so. Okay. We're in the last chapter of the book, ladies and gentlemen. Critical, uh, number three. Critical Utopian Socialism and Communism. We do not here refer to that literature which in every great modern revolution has always been given, uh, has always given voice to the demands of the proletariat, uh, such as the writings of Bebouf and others. I may have butchered that name. The first Sounds like me. <laughs> right? uh, the first direct attempts of the proletariat to attain its own ends made in times of universal excitement, when feudal society was being overthrown, these attempts necessarily failed. Owing to the then undeveloped state of the, pro uh, of the proletariat, as well to the absence of the economic conditions for its emancipation. Conditions that had yet to be produced and could be produced by the impending bourgeois epoch alone. The revolutionary literature that accompanied these first movements of the proletariat had necessarily a reactionary, char uh, reactionary character. It inculcated universal asceticism and social leveling in its crudid form. The socialist and communist systems, properly so-called, those of St. Simon, Fourier, Owen, and others, spring into existence in the early undeveloped period described above of the struggle between the proletariat and bourgeoisie. The founders of these systems see indeed the class antagonisms as well as the action of the decomposing elements in the prevailing form of society. But the proletariat is yet in its infancy offers to them the spectacle of a class without any historical initiative or any independent political movement. Since the development of class antagonism keeps even pace with the development of industry, the economic situation as they find it does not yet or does not as yet offer to them the material conditions for the emancipation of the proletariat. They therefore search after a new social science, after new social laws that are to create these conditions. I wanted to interject right here to talk a little bit about um, this new social science he's talking about is dialectical materialism, historical materialism. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean, you, I, I, I guess I don't know exactly how I'm trying to word what I'm trying to say, but um, Marx and Engels very much viewed socialism as a science. Um, you know, complete to thinking of a revolution as an experiment, because it is. Um, I don't know, I'm not going to go too deep into that. And but. the goal, which is to raise the material conditions to lift people out of poverty. There, there's no excuse for there being a working class in poverty. population. In exactly. Would you like? Um, to, yeah. Would you like to pick up their historical action? Yep. 
Uh, historical action is to yield to their personal inventive action. Historically created conditions of emancipation to fantastic ones. And the gradual, spontaneous class organization of the proletariat to the organization of society, specially contrived by these event inventors. Future history resolves itself, in their eyes, into the propaganda and practical carrying out of their social plans. In the formation of their plans, they are conscious of caring chiefly for the interests of the working class as being the most suffering class. Only from the point of view of being the most suffering class does the proletariat exist for them. <clears throat> the undeveloped state of the class struggle, uh, as well as their own surroundings, causes socialists of this kind to consider themselves far superior to all class antagonisms. They want to improve the condition of every member of society, even that of the most favored. Hence, they habitually appeal to society at large without distinction of class, nay, by preference to the ruling class. <clears throat> For how can people, once they understand their system, fail to see it in the best possible plan of the best possible state of society? Hence, they reject, they reject all political and especially all revolutionary action. They wish to attain their ends by peaceful means and endeavor by small experiments necessarily doomed to failure and uh, by the force of example to pave the way for a new social gospel. Such fantastic pictures of future society painted at a time when the proletariat is still in a very under, uh, undeveloped state and has but a fantastic conception of its own position correspond with the first instinctive yearnings of that class for a general reconstruction of society. But these socialist and communist publications contain also a critical element. They attack every principle of existing society. Hence, they are full of the most valuable materials for the enlightenment of the working class. The practical measures proposed in them, such as the abolition of the distinction between town and country, of the family, of the carrying on of industries for the account of private individuals and of the wage system, the proclamation of social harmony, the, con the conversion of the function of the state into a more super independence of production. All of these proposals point solely to the disappearance of class antagonisms, which were at that time only just cropping up and which in these publications are recognized in their earliest indistinct and undefined forms only. These proposals, therefore, are of a purely utopian character. The significance of critical utopian socialism and communism bears an inverse relation to historical development. In proportion, as the modern class struggle develops and takes definite shape, these fantastic, or this fantastic standing apart from the contest these fantastic attacks on it lose all practical value and all theoretical justification. Therefore, although the originators of these systems were in many respects revolutionary, their disciples have in every case formed mere reactionary sects. They hold up fast by the original views of their masters and in opposition to the progressive historical development of the proletariat. They therefore endeavor and that consistently to deaden the class struggle and to reconcile the class antagonisms. 
they still dream of experimental realization of their social utopias, of founding isolated phalansteers, of establishing home colonies, or setting up a little Icaria, duodecimo editions of the New Jerusalem. And to realize all these castles in the air, they are compelled to appeal to the feelings and purses of the bourgeois. By degrees, they sink into the category of the reactionary or conservative socialists depicted above, differing from these only by more systematic pedantry and by their financial and superstitious belief in the miraculous effects of their social science. They therefore violently oppose all political action on the part of the working class such action, according to them, can only result from blind unbelief in this new gospel. The Owenites in England and the Fourierists in France, respectively, oppose the Chartists and the Reformistes. I'm guessing that's how that's pronounced. <laughs> right. French is, French is not my thing. <laughs> but. There's well, that. that's another thing we have um, to understand too is that that Marx and Engels both, you know, spoke spoke uh, spoke and wrote multiple languages. Right, <clears throat> right. So it was easy for them to be able to use those terms when describing the stuff in other countries. Um, there's a note here too at the bottom that says the Phalansteries were socialist colonies on the plan of Charles Fourier. Um, Acaria was the name given by Quebec to his utopia and later on to his American communist colony. Um, and that's a note from Engels in the English edition of 1888. Uh, home colonies were what Owen called his communist model societies and Phalansteries was the name of public palaces. Uh, and Acaria was basically a utopian land of fancy whose communist institutions Kabay portrayed. All right, uh, four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> position of the communists in relation to the various existing opposition parties. Section two has made clear the relations of the communists to the existing working class parties such as the Chartists in England and the Agrarian Reformers in America. The Communists fight for the attainment of the immediate aims, for the enforcement of the momentary interests of the working class, but in the movement of the present, they also represent and take care of the future of that movement. In France, the Communists ally themselves with the Social Democrats against the conservative and radical bourgeoisie, reserving However, the right to take up a critical position in regard to phrases and allusions traditionally handed down from the Great Revolution. In Switzerland, they support the radicals without losing sight of the fact that this party consists of uh, antagonistic elements, partly of democratic socialists. In the French sense, partly of radical bourgeois. In Poland, they Sound support- Sound familiar? Yeah, right. Uh, in <laughs> Poland- <laughs> They support the party that insists on an agrarian revolution as the prime condition for national emancipation. That party which fomented the insurrection of Krakow in 1846. 
In Germany, they fight with the bourgeoisie whenever it acts in a revolutionary way against the absolute monarchy, the the feudal squirearchy, and the petty bourgeoisie. But they never cease for a single instant to instill into the working class the clearest possible recognition of the hostile antagonism between bourgeoisie and proletariat in order that the German workers may straightaway use as so many weapons against the bourgeoisie the social and political conditions that the bourgeoisie must necessarily introduce along with its supremacy, and in order that after the fall of the reactionary classes in Germany, the fight against the bourgeoisie itself may immediately begin. <clears throat> the communists turn their attention, uh, attention chiefly to Germany because that country is on the eve of a bourgeois revolution that is bound to be carried out under more advanced conditions of European civilization and with a much more developed proletariat than of England in the 17th uh, and France in the 18th centuries. And because the bourgeois revolution in Germany will be but the prelude to an immediately following proletarian revolution. And I just wanted to interject one last time in this book to, to point out that what he predicted right there literally happened. The yeah. proletarian revolution did not succeed, unfortunately, but what he predicted was 100% correct. The bourgeois revolution happened and immediately on its tail, uh, a proletarian revolution happened and then a bourgeois counter revolution happened and they seized power. Um, but yeah, what he predicted came true. Indeed. Communists everywhere support every revolutionary movement against the existing social and political order of things. In all of these movements, they bring to the front as the leading question in each, the pride question, no matter what its degree of development at the time. Finally, they labor everywhere for the union and agreement of the democratic parties of all countries. The communists disdain to conceal their views and aims. They openly declare that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. Let the ruling classes tremble at a communistic revolution. Are you still there? Ah, she got booted. All right. Um, the communists disdain to conceal their views and aims. They openly declare that their ends can be attained only by forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. Let the ruling classes tremble at a communistic revolution. The proletarians have nothing to lose but their chains. They have a world with to win. Working men of all countries, unite. Sorry about that, Looping out into the ether mid-sentence. That's my fucking... That's okay. I just reread the paragraph. I was just like... Uh, like I heard you cut off like mid-word and I was just like, um, are you still there? Right. Like, How's it going to cut me off in the most beautiful sentence of that entire paragraph of the proletarians have nothing to lose but our chains? Right. That's that's why I put that on our fucking banner on our logo. Exactly. Exactly. Speaks volumes. 
Um, the fuck so, else do we have left to lose? We've lost our homes, lost our wages, lost our food access, lost it, our, our exactly. access to health care. What exactly. the fuck do we have to lose? I completely agree. Um, ladies and gentlemen in the comments, if you have, this is basically an open discussion section here, right? So if you have anything that you want um, to point out about the book or any questions about the book, um, now would be a good time to do that. Uh, in the meantime, I wanna plug a little bit of what's going on tomorrow. We are finally releasing our Emma Goldman piece. Um, yes. She's just, she's an amazing human being. Uh, I encourage Absolutely. everybody to tune in tomorrow at eight o'clock Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, Where you'll get to see us wearing the same clothes because we recorded it right before starting this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Thursday, we we're going to have part 12 of the Black Panther Party. I wanted to point out that at least next Tuesday, maybe the Tuesday after, we're not going to have um, these Tuesday pieces. We're gonna we're gonna take a break and and get our shit together because we want to start bringing on guests for these uh, book club pieces. Um, so yeah. That being said, we want your guys's opinion, and we'll we'll take answers. We'll start an actual poll in the group, uh, but we'll take answers until tomorrow night's stream is over um, on which piece, which book we should work with next. Uh, we were talking about uh, Emma Goldman's Anarchism and Other Essays, uh, which would go right along with um, the biography piece. Yeah. Right. Or DJ uh -huh. Rob is bringing new guests. Well, I mean, we're uh, we're trying to. <laughs> right. We we need some time to focus on some networking stuff, get some of those things lined up, so that way when we come back the following week, we can hit the ground running. And hopefully start getting some stuff pre-recorded like a week ahead of time like we were and be able to schedule it out a little better. Yeah, part of and, and promote it better, too. Yeah, yeah, because kicking out posters two days before it airs doesn't give us much promo time. <laughs> no, um, so we will definitely be doing better on that front compared to how we have been. Uh, but Emma Goldman's Anarchism and Other Essays, <coughs> Rudolph Rocker's Anarcho-Syndicalism Theory and Practice. Um, the point is, though, that we've been focusing on a lot of communist stuff because that's I guess kind of what we were drawn to, but we are trying to be a pan leftist platform. Um, and I, I mean, I guess to be fair, this Emma Goldman piece has kind of reminded me that Marxist Leninists are anarchists at heart anyway. <laughs> this is true. This is true. It's anarchy is that dream goal of to get to the point where we can all be self governing, but it's going to take people actually coming together, working together to create um, the material conditions to make it possible 
to actually eliminate things like the crime that is the result, the direct fucking result of poverty, things like that, where we can actually abolish the fucking police and no longer need that. But part of that also is going to mean coming together as a community of when there is a violent crime that happens and the community has to handle it in a better way than... It, it, having, yeah, in a, in a way that's not just a fucking mob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it all boils down to logic, ethics. All these things come to the table. That's one other thing that we're discussing, too, is doing a couple of pieces on actual ethics so that people can see where we're coming from and why we approach the things the way that we do. Because having an ethical standard, understanding where your rights begin and end at the point where the next person's rights begin are fucking incremental to being able to reach that point that still now is only idealistic and utopian and make that a realization. Yeah. Um... I'm not, I, I guess we haven't voted on it yet, but we, we, next Wednesday's historical piece may be on the Detroit riots. Um, I, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, nobody's taught about the shit in high school and it's fucking important. You can't just ignore that white people in the, in the thirties and forties thought that it was okay to go around trying to fucking destroy black businesses and burn down black neighborhoods. It was never okay. And it's been basically covered up by our education system. Right. They don't teach you in school that uh, the state of Michigan. Ah, she's gone again. But yeah, I mean, like, how did I grow up in the state of Michigan and go through social studies classes and history classes and never get told about, you know, the Tulsa race riots or the Detroit race riots? I mean, you know, we we heard about the riots that happened after Rodney King was killed because that happened, you know, in a historical sense, like right before I was in school. Um you know, like, I mean, and that was only briefly mentioned. We never talk about slave patrols mm-hmm. being the origin of police either, but. You're cutting out really bad again. I I can't hear anything you're saying. Never mind. Never mind. Well, son of a bitch. Um. So Natalie said, has anyone else seen how the UK handles crime? I think it's more humanitarian and police are not allowed to lie. My personal thing uh, pertaining to how we handle the police, um, I originally heard about it from the Howie Hawkins campaign in 2020, but I come to find out doing this podcast that community control of the police was brought forth by the Black Panther Party in the late 60s. Um, yep. 
I wholeheartedly support community control of the police. Um, that means that, you know, community members investigate the police, not other police. Only allowing police from the actual neighborhood they live in to police that area. And yep. with police being an elected position, if we're going to fucking keep it at all, it needs to be an elected position of we choose who the fuck gets to actually have this privilege because the motherfuckers doing it right now are abusing it. Right. And but I mean, I, I do I think that the UK has a much better policing system than we do. But I think that our goal needs to be either severely disfunding or disbanding the police. Uh, at least as we know them. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be, you know, some sort of security, I guess. For murder. Right. right. It, it's, it's one thing to still have investigators for, like, murders and rapes. But to have motherfuckers in the street existing in their job only to serve the purpose of uh, bringing oppression and or collecting fucking revenue. Fuck that fuck all of that it's gotten too big when we live in a fucking uh society that fucking considers the police to be an authority to the point it's like fucking toxic it's like no we need to shake things up here wake the fuck up because they're not an authority they're our fucking employees and they forgot it so it's time to fire them they're not doing their fucking job they have a shit Fucking, they do shit. Right, right. And I I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time even thinking about how modern police forces evolved from slave patrols, and they still patrol our streets today. That speaks Mm -hmm. volumes. Um, I I used to be more of a, a reformist, well, on a lot of things, but especially on the police, but. I've come to a point where I realize that you can't reform something that was designed broken to begin with. Right. It, it was designed to cause harm, period. It was designed for the purpose of benefiting the white bourgeois class on purpose. That needs to be abolished. Precisely. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm going to do that poll tonight. Uh, in our Facebook group, the Education and Discussion Group. Uh, You're going to be voting between Emma Goldman and Rudolph Rocker for our next Tuesday episodes. Um, And remember, there's not going to be one next week, and there might not be the week after that. Uh, We're trying to build our content ahead. We're trying to reach out to guests, and we're trying to do better uh, at promotion. So, um, again, if you want to help us out, um, email us for we are many podcast at gmail.com uh, or use the contact us page on our website for we are many.org or message us, you know, on Facebook, um, whether it be to the page or to Rob or I individually, um, let us know. Um, also, if you have any ideas, if there's any books that you would like to see pieces done on for the rev left book club um on that poll please leave them in the comments we'll add them to the list 
Yeah. Um, and then we uh, then we are probably also going to take a week off of the Thursday streams when we finish uh, Bobby Seal's book. But we're going to keep the Black Panther trend going and we'll be reading from Eldridge Cleaver. Hell yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's all kind of coming together. But the point is, is when we're back in full swing after this uh, little slowdown for a week or two, you know, um, we'll be having... Just on Tuesdays. Well, right, but I mean, that's still a slowdown. It's one less <laughs> stream per week yeah. uh, to do all the research for and yeah. put together the everything. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, once we're back to full swing, we'll be doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, just like we have done this last couple of weeks. And also, I wanted to bring up to you guys, meaning the viewers, um, the possibility of making our current event streams on Tuesday instead of Monday and switching around the, the book club. Um, if that's too confusing for you guys, then we won't do it. Um, but I, I, out of all of the streams, the ones that I don't want to pre-record, if possible, are the current event streams. And I know it sucks to change the day because we've been doing them on Mondays for months. Um, but it's looking like that's how my schedule at work is going to work out. Um, right. So, so if you guys would prefer to be able to interact with us live for the, the current event streams, we're going to have to switch those to Tuesday. Um, so let us know what you think. If if you would rather keep it on the same schedule because of your availability and we'll have to pre-record it, or if you would like to switch to Tuesdays with us to be able to still interact on that. Because that's one thing that we, we really do love to do that live and be able to actually talk with you guys in real time about the issues that are going on. It's one thing to pre-record our history pieces or the book club pieces. That's one we definitely want to keep live. So let us know where you're sitting at with that in your schedule. Um, also, we may have a way soon to uh, treat the pre-recorded pieces as live pieces uh, through the streaming services uh, service that we use. Um, so, you know, you'd still have the live chat and all that. So, I mean, as long as a mod is on during the stream, which I'm sure one of us will uh, be there most days but the point is is we can still have these live conversations which actually would be really cool for me and you Trisha because then we don't have to focus on the comments while we're recording but we can still be in the comments and actually participate interact uh, yeah yeah in a, in a greater depth too than what we can do while we're also trying to talk on the stream you know yeah so any comments I, yeah actually uh a few natalie asked does anybody know much about the revcoms it's a social group i said not at all james said i will try to make tuesday just like i try to make monday Fair enough. <laughs> and uh robert said same you got to do what you got to do and natalie said whatever is good for both of you nights are definitely better for me 
Okay. Um, yeah, we'll still keep it at 8 p.m. Um, it would just have to be a day switch. Yeah. And start doing the other book club pieces on Monday and the live stream for current events Tuesday. So, okay. okay. So when we start right doing on. the next book, <laughs> it'll be on Mondays. <laughs> um, I also want to remind everybody to tell your elected officials, hands off Cuba. I want to remind everybody uh, that we have an article from Dean on our on our page from months ago at this point that was called The Long Road to September. Um, and if you go back and read that, you'll see how spot on he was in his uh, predictions. Um, I also wanted to point out to everybody yep. to contact your legislators, especially your representatives, and tell them to get the fuck back to Washington and do their jobs. They don't deserve right. How it. dare they? How dare they take a fucking vacation without extending the fucking moratorium on evictions? How fucking dare they? And not that they haven't extended fucking um, unemployment. That's supposed to be up on September 4th. Well, their six week fucking vacation isn't going to be over yet. It's another couple weeks that they plan on coming back. No, they need to get back in Washington and get the shit taken care of before they take fucking leisure time on our dime. Exactly. Um, Anywhere else you work, you gotta ask for a fucking vacation time off. Motherfuckers, if you haven't finished your work, you don't get to go on vacation. Just like any fucking buddy else. Natalie said, I you hope Dean is go doing good. I off. miss his updates. And uh, yeah, me too. Um, Same. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how he's been doing. I hope he's been doing well, Dean. If you're hearing my voice, we still love you, and we want you to come back. <laughs> we miss you. Um, We're over yeah, here like a forlorn lover. Like, please come back. <laughs> baby come back <laughs> no uh, anyway any kind of fool could see <laughs> anyway. um, oh god 80s love I that. really miss his okay. updates as well um, I know that he would be saying get your damn shot and yeah. uh, I know that he would be warning um the third wave historically is the largest in a pandemic. And that's exactly what we're going into. Uh, Dean warned everybody that this shit that was going on in India back in February and March, that was the second wave for them. Yep. Our second wave was over, what, end of January, beginning of February? Something like that. And then he said everything was going to look great going into the spring and he was right uh may here in arizona we got rid of our mask mandates um a lot of other places did right around the same time or shortly after uh some places didn't do it until right before the fourth of july but the point is, is by the fourth of july everywhere was reopened everywhere was maskless all right i mean at least in michigan they have the stipulation 
although I doubt if anybody's really following it. They have the stipulation of you can go maskless if you're vaccinated. Oh, yeah, but um, nobody's checking vaccine cards. I think, no, it's just, you know, going on fucking trust. And it's like, wait a minute. Um, I mean, and especially even if you are vaccinated, dude, when it comes to the Delta variant, that has 10 thousand times more viral load than the strains that we've already seen that are covered in the vaccine but at least if you get the vaccine it's going to help protect you against severe illness and death if you do catch the delta variant so still keep wearing your fucking masks and go get the stabby stab we got Plenty of them on the table to choose from. Are the conservatives still calling it the Fauci existing conditions? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. And it's like so ridiculous too because they're like, oh, but trust me, I did my research. Like, really? Motherfucker, you are a virologist. He is. Like, <laughs> you know, his entire right. viruses. I think I'll take the word of a professional. Over the word of somebody who's like, yeah, but I looked this up and found such bullshit on Breitbart. Get the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah, right. Um, or, I mean, you know, people still trying to quote Alex Jones. Holy fuck. Um, Natalie oh, said there is a new virus prediction to cause trouble coming out of Peru, if this doctor is correct, that I watch at times on YouTube. Um, which, I mean, ultimately, this is a byproduct of climate change. Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing viruses mutate at faster rates. We're seeing bacterias that we haven't seen in 10,000 years thawing out on both ends of the planet. Um, I mean, you know, and, and as it gets, you know, more muggy and hotter, uh, around the planet, it's just going to get worse and worse. So we need to think about that. Um, Anyway, though, one of those things that people do truly need to understand viruses is if it first they don't succeed in killing you, they're going to come back again. They're going to mutate. Well, ultimately, they're the not even trying spread, to mutate to kill you. Uh, if, if a virus is killing you, then it's then it's killing its host. It's not very you know, efficient. It wants to make us sick. It doesn't want to kill us. It's it's mutating itself to be able to spread more, which only increases the number of deaths because even right. as efficient as they are at trying to live off of your body, they're still kill around one percent to two percent of. Yeah, um, and I also want to point out that we're at higher numbers with that than we were for the Spanish flu. Which, remember, all the professionals were saying that that was, you know, there's no way we were going to hit that benchmark. And there was Dean being like, well, I don't know if it's that far-fetched. And here we are, watching his predictions from that computer model he was running, analyzing the numbers. Right. They're coming true. Everything that he said was going to happen is fucking happening. And uh, I just want to take a leaf out of his book to say, get vaccinated, wear your damn mask, 
And wash your fucking hands. Wash your fucking hands. And uh, try to limit your contact with other human beings. Right. Some people would probably think that I'm nuts for still being as um, isolated as I am. But it's like, dude, no. I've already caught it twice because my roommate at the time was working in a university with a shit ton of international students who, you know, it spread real fast when the pandemic first started. Um, the university she was working at, it fucking spread through the population so fast that they shut down before anybody was actually doing quarantine shutdowns on a legal basis. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, no, I'll stay the fuck away from people. I, if you've been sick recently, I don't want to see you, <laughs> you know, only visiting with people who I know have not been sick it you know and remember that you things. can be asymptomatic you gotta protect well. yourself right oh also here's an update um i was reading a piece the other day the research is showing now that if you've had covid if the virus managed to reach your brain okay you know everybody's been talking for a long time about the covid fog of feeling like your brain cells just aren't fucking connecting right afterwards. It's fucking with your memory. It's so much more than that. They're finding that this is on par symptom wise with Alzheimer's. And that's okay. crazy to and, think about. Right. Like the way that this infects your cells, if it has gotten past that blood brain barrier, which we're, we don't even know yet how it's getting into brain tissue because the brain is so well protected, but it's getting there and it's destroying nerves. Okay. Viruses replicate by infecting your cells, ripping apart your DNA, combining it into their own in order to produce more virions and explode out of the fucking cell to go infect more cells. So when it's doing this to your neurons, it is causing permanent fucking brain damage. So if that alone is not incentive enough to go get the fucking stab, I don't know what is. You know, this is coming from somebody who's already got memory issues between splitting my fucking wig in a car wreck, the pain meds that I've had to take from it since that block communication between neurons. And it has significantly gotten worse since I had COVID too. I'm sure you've fucking noticed, Rob, that like my brain farts are all over the fucking place. And this has me concerned. Like I don't, I don't need to be experiencing you know, symptoms like Alzheimer's when I'm not even 40 yet. I still got a few months to go to hit that. Neither do any of the rest of you, you know, especially like, it, dude, if kids are catching this and getting brain damage from it, that's their whole rest of their life. Be safe. Wash your fucking hands. Stay the fuck away from people. Get vaccinated. Wear your mask. This is not something to fuck around. We are still finding out the long-term effects of having been infected with this. And it's already showing to be a cost that is too high for everyone to bear. Agreed there. Um, anyway, I guess it's time to wrap it up, though. We finished the book about 20 minutes ago, and we're still bullshitting. So, <laughs> um, hey, I'll we all do. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, but I just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. 
And well, every time you do. Um, and see you tomorrow for our piece on Emma Goldman. I I think that you guys are really gonna like her. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, she's a badass. I love her. <laughs> Wish I would have been able to meet her. No shit. Right? The wrong time. Like she was so far ahead of her time. Like a literal activist at that too, of committing to actual action. Not just words, not just talking. No, she took her fight to the fucking streets. So hard that they like booted her out of the fucking country for a while. Because they were like, this is the For a while they only allowed her back for 90 days one time. Right. All right. Short time. They saw her as such a huge threat because she was such an eloquent speaker that she commanded the attention of the masses and was bringing them to the proletarian movement. As seen, as seen there. Yes. Yeah. Fucking dope ass woman. Absolutely dope. Like a boss. Fucking A. Anyway, um, if you guys want to support us monetarily, go to our Patreon. Actually, uh, on our website, we've got a link uh, to Patreon, and we've got a link to PayPal. Um, You know. Right, every little uh, bit helps, especially with the expansion that we're wanting to do with streaming service. Yeah, it's it's already not free, and we already pay for it out of pocket. But it's about to get more expensive than mm-hmm. it already is because, well, frankly, we need the services that they offer at a higher price. Right, double the price. So, and yeah. anything that you can contribute would help greatly. Um, also, if you'd like to contribute content whether you be a writer, a videographer who's covering things in your area, if you'd like to contribute art, music, any of those things, bring your revolutionary works. We will platform them. We have space for you on our website. And in our Facebook group. We will will help you promote your stuff um, because the whole goal is for this to get out to everybody. The whole goal is to help everybody yep. um, and we can only do it together left unity motherfuckers amen to that we love you we appreciate you thank see, you for being here with us very much so and uh see you again tomorrow good to next.